Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord, everyone. Giving God thanks one more time. And last week we were privileged to be online as we discussed the word of the Lord from the book of Epistle of First Peter, chapter 3. We were looking at how to handle persecution and suffering. And Peter gave us some information from First Peter chapter 3. Tonight we will be going over to First Peter um, chapter 4. First Peter chapter four. How do we deal with suffering, persecution, the challenges that a believer will face in this present world in a time of trouble, a time of despair? time in which the world is very angry, very bitter. Peter says, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind for as much as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves likewise with the same mind let me just go to living translation so then since christ suffered physical pain you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too for if you have suffered physically for christ you have finished with sin If we have suffered physically for Christ, we are now finished with sin. He that had suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin. Uh, Peter says, one way for us to handle suffering in this world Is to condition our mind. To prepare our mind. To have the same mind. Same attitude. That our Lord and Master. Jesus Christ had. When he was in this world. 
brothers and sisters, it is a fact that living for Jesus Christ is not easy. Songwriter said, you know, the road is rough and the going gets tough. Yes. Sometimes we're being given a picture that repentance, baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in filling of the Holy Ghost. And then everything is just going to be smooth sailing. A life filled with blessing, luxury, wealth, comfort. But Peter is telling the church, you are now experiencing, you have seen others being physically persecuted, suffering for the sake of what they believe. For who they believe in for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, if you want to stand and to be counted to live for righteousness and not for evil, we have to prepare our minds to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He came into this world and he suffered. Suffered physically even unto death. What is Peter saying? Are believers supposed to be prepared in their minds to die if it means death for the sake of the gospel? That's exactly what he is saying. We will have to prepare our minds to face our own cross for the sake of the gospel. How does that look? Peter says, the man who has physically suffered He's finished with sin. He said, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. 
so they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now will live forever with God in the spirit. What does arming yourself with the the mind of Christ looks like? Uh, Peter tells us in verse 1 that uh, we have to be prepared to give up. He said, a man who has denied himself and suffered physically has ceased from sin. So it looks like dying to self. Denying oneself eventually ceasing from sinning. It is doing God's will for the rest of one's life. Verse 2 tells us you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. So arming ourselves with the mind of Christ is being prepared to do God's will for the rest of our lives. It is being fed up with sin, knowing that one has sinned enough. Peter says you have had enough, verse 3, in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. So arming oneself with the mind of Christ is to be fed up with sin. And brothers and sisters, let us not deny it. Sin brings pleasure. That's why people are attracted to sin. But Peter says, the man who's arming his mind or himself with the mind of Christ, sin becomes distasteful. He has concluded in his mind that I have sinned enough and I'm going to live out the rest of my life doing God's will. He's fed up with sin. The man who has the mind of Christ understands that he stands as a stranger in this world. The world looks on him strangely. Peter says, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive behaviors, destructive things they do. So, because you're not doing what the world is doing, they will slander you. But don't worry. The man who has the mind of Christ, it doesn't bother him that the world looks on him indifferently. Because he has ceased from sin. Number five, 
having the mind of Christ means that we are following the example of those who have gone on before. Those to whom the gospel was preached, verse 6, and are now dead. And they were, like all people were destined to die. But because they listened to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they now live forever with God in the spirit. Self-denial. First one that Peter spoke about. Denying oneself. And God knows. Self. Has a. A great ambition. Who can tell. The desire of oneself. Never satisfied. It's why Jesus said. That's the first hurdle. A man has got to be prepared. To cross. If he intends. To follow him. If he intends. To make the Lord Jesus. Lord over his life. Master. Ruler. He's got to know. That he has to deny. Himself. Jesus Christ, when he was here, made it very clear in giving us an example. He said, I am here not to do my own will. And I know, brothers and sisters, who have often heard um, this statement being repeated, and some treat it very lightly. Pastor saying the same thing, he always goes back to that scripture. But this scripture has everything to do with our salvation. Because a man who has not denied himself cannot be saved. Jesus says, let him first deny himself. He said of himself, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. That will led him to the cross. That will caused him to suffer physically more than any other man. That will cause him to give up the ghost, to die, to say it is finished. Man's redemption is complete. That will cause him to bore humiliation, mocking him, beating him. Stripping him. Slap him, him, him in the face. Spitting on him.
But what was foremost in his mind? The will that he came to accomplish. Having that mind. Self-denial that leads to suffering. I could do differently. I'm empowered not to take this, 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 this route. I have my own free will. But I'm deciding I'm going to follow Jesus. There are other avenues, other ways, other options I have. But I've decided to make Jesus my choice. See, brothers and sisters, the Christian man must keep his thoughts upon righteousness and the salvation that the Lord has provided for him. He's looking. And he's seen the end goal. Being with his master. Being rescued. From this world. That's about to be set on fire. And so. He's prepared. To stand for righteousness. Because self-denial. Denying oneself. One must fully understand. The cause. No man wants to suffer. Without a cause. Why? Why am I. Preparing my mind. To stand. Because Jesus. Is coming back. For his church. And he's coming back. As the judge of this entire world. The man who has suffered physically. Has ceased from sin. Romans 6 verse 2 says. For God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know he not that so many of us as we were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Knowing this, same chapter 6 of Romans, verse 6, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, 
we believe that we shall also live with him. Salvation is our focus. Knowing that Christ, brothers and sisters, let me let me let me clarify my statement. Sometimes when we think about salvation, we think about the process. Christ is our salvation. So when I say our salvation is our is our uh, focus, it means Christ. Is our, is, is our focus. God has become our salvation. How? In his word becoming flesh. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death had no more dominion over him. For in, him, in that he died, he died unto sin once but in that he liveth he liveth unto god galatians 2 20 i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me Now, living, verse 2 tells us, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. That means for the rest of the world lives. The man who has the mind of Christ, who has armed himself with the mind of Christ, is prepared to live the will of God for his life what God desires for him. That's what he's going to do for the rest of his life. What does that look like? It means he won't be foolishly chasing his own desires. We talk about the desires, the lust. Lust for wealth, for position, power. When we say wealth, we can talk about houses, land, cars, whatever you mean. You mean define your wealth as, but he's not spending his time or giving his mind. To chase after these things. This does not say brothers and sisters. That a person. Who has armed himself with the mind of Christ. Will not be blessed. And sometimes. God will add some of these things to his life. But he does not devote himself to seek after these things seek he first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you 
his whole life is chasing after the will of God. What does God want me to do? That's what, that's what he's living for. He understands that lusting after wealth, power, fame, whatever you may call it, is not the will of God. He understands. Let's look very quickly. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And so dear brothers and sisters. I plead with you. To give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. The will of God. Paul says presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. Which is our reasonable service. This is this is this is truly what true worship is about. He tells us that we should not imitate, don't copy the behavior, the custom of this world. Hello, somebody. The man who has armed himself with the mind of Christ, don't look into the world or the system of the world. For his answers. He wants to know. What is the mind of God. Concerning how I should live. In this world. He says. Paul says. Let God transform you. Into a new person. Seeing that we are dead. With him. We were crucified with him. We are made alive through him. Let him transform us into that new person. By changing the way we think. See brothers and sisters. It has everything to do with Jesus. Know that we. Or walking with him. It means. How we live in this world. A transformation of the mind. Must take place. And Paul says. Then we will learn. To know God's will. For us. The transformation. The shunning. The rejecting. The customs of this world. 
accepting this transformation. And then we will know, we will begin to know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who doesn't want God's will? Paul says it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Matthew 12 and 50 says, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Knowing this, Romans 14, verse 8. But put he on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Sorry, Romans 13, 14. To fulfill the lust thereof. And Romans 14, 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live there for or die, we are the Lord's. The man who is living this transformed life. The man who is living for the rest of his life. The will of God. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Doesn't matter where life takes us. We belong to him. If we're living, we're living unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. We belong to him. He tells us, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, the immorality and lust, feasting, drunkenness, and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Being fed up with sin. Knowing that we have experienced enough sin. Peter lists here six immorality, lust, feasting, drunkenness, wild parties. And idolatry. We have experienced enough of this. So now we are fed up. The mind of Christ. If we have it. We are fed up with sin. The believer. Understands. Where God has taken him from. He understands how much he is forgiven. And he's not trying. To attach himself to this world. 
to try and experience some of what is described here in verse 3. He wants to do nothing but lasciviousness, which is filthiness, indecency, shamelessness. Described as a chief characteristic of the behavior is open and shameless indecency. Unrestrained evil thoughts and behavior. He has experienced enough of that. He's fed up with that lifestyle. So he has one mind. And the one mind is made up to serve the Lord Jesus. Romans 13, 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. We live in a world where we can see a lascivious lifestyle being promoted. It is now legal. Paul describes it in Romans 1 and verse 27. Likewise, also the men leave in the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, talking about homosexuality, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. The church does not have room for homosexuality. It's a sin. It doesn't matter if certain groups who describe themselves as a part of the Christian faith, man can make their doctrines and their laws, but the word of God is absolute. It cannot be changed. stands firm in any generation, in any period of time. That's why it's described as a rock, is a sure foundation. It doesn't matter where the world is going. The Christian believer does not join himself. He's fed up. If God has saved us uh, from, from certain things, we understand where God has saved us what he has saved us from. Now we have become fed up with that lifestyle. There's no desire for that lifestyle. So Ephesians 4.19 says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Jude tells us and there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness 
and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We see it now. Some tells us, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I don't care what men want to say. The Lord tells us by his word that this kind of a lifestyle is set up, serve for the judgment, which is eternal fire. Lost. Talk about lasciviousness. Talk about loss. God knows we're living a time where there's such a an immense amount of of lust shown. Nobody's contented. Nobody's at peace with what the Lord has provided. And brothers and sisters, somebody may say, um, Pastor probably doesn't know what he's talking about. Brothers and sisters, I'm not here preaching down to anybody. Oftentimes, in the night, at day, at day time, sometimes, when I'm reflecting, I'm, I'm, I'm looking on every area of my life. And said, I wonder if this is greed or this is lust. And I ask the question because it, it's very subtle. It's a strong desire, craving, and passion. And that's the, uh, that's the whole pull of sin. Sometimes we don't clearly see it, but sin pulls us. It comes in different forms. It knows what its ultimate goal is. That lustful desire will take us places that we never intended to go. The end result of it is death. Because a man who is lustful is never satisfied. See, Romans 13, 14, we already earlier. Put he on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a desire for more and more and more of Jesus Christ. That's the answer to the lustful desire. More of Jesus. More, more, more of Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh. Because the flesh is always telling us what we, is, is telling us, presenting to us, lost as need. 
But Paul tells us, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. First Peter 2 and 11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lust, which war against the soul. Feasting and drunkenness. King James says excess of wine. Somebody say, what does pastor have to say about this? To lose one state of mind. As it relates to drunkenness. Is a mockery. Knowing that. It is the mind that the believer uses to worship God. A man's mind is what God communicates with. And to be given to excess amount of wine, alcohol, now we can talk about drugs, And some of us, well, I shouldn't say some of us, I should say people do this to satisfy certain desire. But the Lord tells us through his word that our body is his temple. Read earlier, Paul says, We are to present this temple, our body, as a living sacrifice. It means that, brothers and sisters, God has a high regard for the body of a believer. Luke 21, 34 tells us, And take heed to yourself, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness cares of this life and so that they come upon you unaware scripture keeps on telling us the danger it's not something it's not a lifestyle that the lord approves of or certain persons say life just becomes stressful you got to take a one-off no cast your cares upon me Because Jesus, God, cares for us. First Corinthians 6 and 10. No thieves, no covetous person who is an idolater, nor drunkards, nor revelers 
or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. It is a sin. Revelings, wild parties, orgies, and this was something still goes on today, but from way back in history, it was so. This was happening at the at the at the, the golden calf when they made the golden calf when Moses was on the mountain with God. Partings and revelings. While Moses was receiving from God the laws to govern his people. That mixed multitude. Idolatry started. Ended up in orgies. Drunkenness. And nakedness openly. This too is a sin. You see how much the Lord or Peter, the Lord through Peter is talking about this kind of a lifestyle because this is the lifestyle of the world. And the Christian man who's walking with the Lord, has rejected this. He's fed up. This is what the Lord has delivered him from. And then there are some of us who God has delivered and we go back trying to fit in to a system, to a lifestyle that's contrary to the will of God. A strong pull. Drinking of alcohol. Trying to fit in. Fit in with the crowd. And there be. There are some now. Who will ask the question. What is wrong. With some of these things. And they will want the church to bend. To accept this lifestyle so that they can feel comfortable. But the Lord speaks out against this kind of lifestyle, brothers and sisters. We have to be prepared to be looked on as being different. Doesn't matter what they say about us. If they mock Christ Jesus, they can mock us too. If they slandered him, they can do the same to us. And the believer must have uh, on the inside a disgust as it relates to sin. He does not want himself to be contaminated with the things of this world. So he lives by the word. 
more of Jesus every day. And idolatry six tells us verse four rather of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things. Doesn't matter what my former friends think. It is what Jesus knows about me. It's my relationship with him. I can go through the suffering. I can go through the mockery, the persecution, because my mind is attached to him. It is not what men are saying about me, but it's what God is saying about me. Remember that we will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Remember, that is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. We sometimes talk about the saints who have gone on to be with the Lord. But they, like everyone else, were destined to die. But they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And know that by believing, they shall be saved. By rejecting, they would have been condemned. So this, they, they chose to believe the gospel. Now they have gone on. Now they live forever with the Lord. They know that there's a judgment coming. We know, we have to be fully convinced that there's a day of judgment coming. A day when he shall gather all nations and shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. Those who belong to him and those who will be condemned. John say, I saw small and great stand before God. Revelation 20 and 12. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Every man will have to give an account. There is coming a day where we, every man will have to face God. So if I give in to persecution, where do I stand? Am I on the Lord's side? Am I standing with Jesus? If it is Jesus that's living in me, brothers and sisters, if he's living in us, 
and he could stand the test. It means, brothers and sisters, whatever it takes to stand the test is in us. If we are attached to Christ, if he lives in us, if he rules over us, praise him. I believe the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Christ is coming. The world is about to come to an end. You hear it in the news. Even those who don't believe in God, believe, are now saying that there's going to be a major catastrophe. They don't want to talk about a God. But the the future, as it relates to this world, looks very dim. But we know that everything is coming to an end very soon. And Peter says, because we know that things are coming to an end. I met a guy uh, today on the job and he was talking to me and he said something is not right he said you can see it when I was a young boy my mom was taking the church but now I can tell you that something is not right the signs of the time are here this whole world is coming to an end and he's not a Christian People are beginning to talk about it. But what's the position of the church? How do we handle it? It's coming to an end. And brothers and sisters, when Moses was coming into this world, Pharaoh It was a command that was given to kill all male child. Two years and under. Kill them. Why? Because a deliverer appointed by God was coming in. And the kingdom of darkness was against it. When Jesus was coming into this world, the same decree was given. Why? Because light was coming into this world. The appointed time for Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us, or with us God, had arrived. And the kingdom of darkness was against it. 
Jewish folks, mothers, fathers suffered. And let me ask, if Christ is coming back for his church and the time is very near, how shall we escape persecution, suffering in this world? The kingdom of darkness knows the devil's Demons know that time is running out. And it will become more difficult for Christians. But Peter says, because we know that the end of this world is coming soon. Be earnest and disciplined in our prayers. Discipline. Setting ourselves time to pray. God knows we can do better. Setting a time to meet with the Lord. Pray earnestly, fervently. Praise the name of the Lord. Time is far spent. It says, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. What a what a what a what a instruction from the apostle. Position ourselves in prayer. Show deep love for each other. Because in times of suffering and persecution, prayer holds us together. Prayer keeps us connected. And the love, the love for one another is the strength of the church. Because this is how men will know That we are his disciples when we love one another. Peter says love. Don't worry. Love covers a multitude of sins. Let us unmute our microphone. We'll spend the last moment just, just talking to the Lord. Lord, teach me from my heart to say. Thy will, whatever is your will, whatever I have to face, Lord, thy will be done. 